Ah, to live la dolce vita. Seems like the dream, right? Or is it? We'll find out today, talking with my special guest, Mengji Sun, live from Japan. But before we get into that, I want to thank you for checking out the podcast. Hope you can join us for our movie due tomorrow, March 29th at noon, which will be 2019's Manos from Brazilian director Alejandro Landes which is streaming on Hulu and $6 on YouTube. Please email any thoughts and comments you have on the movie to projectorfuel at gmail.com. We'll read them on the air and we'll learn a little bit from each other. All right, now let's get into it. Let's fly across the Pacific and Adam, ask Mengji how she's doing. Hey Mengji, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? So happy birthday yesterday. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And for your birthday, you wanted to watch La Dolce Vida. Why did you pick this movie? Because I have been watching a lot of cinema films recently. Um, I mean, they're good, but I wanted to maybe watch something classic this time to start my new year. Did you like it or how are you feeling about it? Yeah, I liked it. Um, that was a long movie and uh, like all the scenes are very well structured. Definitely a fantastic movie in that sense. It was kind of a wild ride where we follow this guy who's looking for something but can't quite find it. Like, I feel like this movie has been asking a lot of questions but we haven't really found the answers in the movie. On one hand it was a big sort of male fantasy movie where it's this super handsome guy and uh, mm-hmm. all the ladies love him but at the, on the other hand it was sort of tragic in the way that he never really seemed to be happy. Yeah. He was always searching for something that he wanted. The only bright side, relatively bright side in his life is the friend, right? But then the friend killed himself, destroyed his own family. I think at that moment, uh, the main character got a little bit devastated. Yeah, and that was a real big turning point in the movie because up until then, it all sort of seemed like a fantasy, almost like a dream that this man was going through. But we get moments with his father, which seemed to be calling on something that was kind of dark and distant. When he gets into that big fight with his fiance, which was, uh, as you said, toxic, very toxic. And then they end up uh, making up afterwards. And then he gets a phone call and we're, we're thrown into an almost different movie. We're hit with this heavy situation. How did his friend's death make you feel? Firstly, of course, shocking. That was very shocking. And then that was very sad. But then if you think of what the friend said before, so you can kind of feel the loneliness in his life, even if the life is so, you know, perfect. Maybe there was some track that he was, that his life was actually not as perfect as what we see. You get that sense of depression uh, in the last scene of the movie. At the end, when he's at that party, you could tell that he wanted to keep it going just because he didn't know what else to do. He'd been partying the entirety of this movie. Like, it's almost the opposite of the title, right? I actually don't know the English name of the title? Is it The Sweet Life or? I, th- I think it would be The Sweet Life. Because apparently, according to the director himself, I think he once mentioned the actual title should be The Sweetness of Life. Fellini was sticking to that title, then I would say that the sweetness is the facade, I guess, that Marcelo has. He's always seen with all these women that like him, and even in front of his father. It looks like uh, he just is like a superstar, but that's not true. That's not really there. Everything seemed to be a little bit empty. And I think originally he really wanted to become a writer, right? And the friend was kind of encouraging him in that sense, but then the friend disappeared. So yeah, that was a that was a big turning point. I think that's why it affected him so badly. But going back to that friend scene, uh, when we were watching that party at 
at his friend's house where there was all these artistic people. I was thinking to myself that, oh, this is the only guy in the movie who has it going on. He, he seems like he's the only one on the level. And then he ends up doing something so sinister, not just killing himself, but killing his kids. Let's take our mind off that. Do you have a favorite scene in the movie? Definitely the fountain one, because that's just too beautiful. Yeah, the fountain was great. I think that was a great introduction to the rest of the movie is just this big sort of party scene. I didn't know what kind of feel to get. My favorite scene was probably when he was with his dad, because then I got a glimpse of what his life looks like. That idea that he definitely looks like he's impressing his father. You know, he hasn't seen his father in a while, but things are going well. People seem to know him. He lives in the nightlife that's like kind of ideal and I think that's the first time that the presentation of his life really resonated with me because I could see it from someone else's perspective yeah and I think another thing that I really remember is there yeah as we mentioned the toxic relationship the fiance is a little bit psychopath right not the best portrayal of someone would you see that as a kind of sweetness I mean that's kind of the the sad thing too but she's sort of wishing for the facade of like a happy marriage also I mean clearly Marcelo is not into her but she wants to be with this handsome man to have a happy marriage happy life I don't know if he's not into her right because after their fight after their big fight on the highway his student didn't want to leave her right they still go back together so I'm pretty sure they're into each other but just in very different ways of love well how would you rate the portrayal of women in this movie the way Women in this movie are definitely super beautiful, almost perfect, ideal. But you still feel like no matter how beautiful they are, how perfect they are, you still feel like um, the beautifulness is kind of dependent on men. Right. And it's again, hearkening back to the idea of a male fantasy. This movie really kind of wants its main character to be a womanizer, but doesn't want him to get anything. I was surprised that Sylvia just disappeared like that in the movie. Those scenes are so iconic with her that we thought that she would have a bigger role in the film. What do you think of the paparazzi in the movie? Yeah, the paparazzi were pretty annoying. They were just about everything. And it was a little bit comical. Yeah, they they were everywhere. And when there's that scene that takes place when the uh, kids say that they see the Madonna and then everyone comes to that tree and starts sort of worshipping it. At one point, they start tearing down the tree. It says to like take things with them. At least for me, I started to get a sense of like, oh, this is what the paparazzi are doing. They're taking these uh, images. All these people are sort of the same. They're all trying to seek something, something fleeting. Yeah, like I don't really think it's different from paparazzi right now. I mean, this movie feels a lot like a modern movie. I've seen movies like this where it's a person jumping around from parties, feeling empty. Like uh, that's almost its own genre. Yeah, The Great Gatsby. That's pretty similar in that sense. I can tell maybe the director is pretty against religions. I mean, I'm not religious. I really don't know. For example, the first scene. The, the helicopters taking Jesus across Italy. Well, I, so I was reading Roger Ebert right before. And it's funny because he wrote two reviews on this movie. The, his first review was one of his first reviews. And he gave it three out of four stars. In his second review, he gave it four out of four stars. And now considers it one of, his, one of the greatest films you know ever made. But he mentions the beginning and the end. Two Christ symbols. The statue, beautiful but false. The fish, ugly but real. It's a nice juxtaposition. <laughs> 
ocean. And I, I like that Fellini decided to go with having a sea monster pulled out of the ocean and just having it there for everyone to see. Because I guess at the end, Marcelo's probably saw himself as that washed up thing. Whereas at the beginning, he thought he was larger than life. He was trying to get the phone numbers of women while he was in the sky. In the very last scene, the little girl was speaking with him, right? The girl that was so beautiful and he called her an angel. That's a good point. What do you think that they were trying to say? Or what do you think she was trying to say? I don't know. I really don't know. But um, he said goodbye. And, and he went back to the partying, which means maybe he's saying goodbye to his life, to an ideal lifestyle. Sounds sad somehow. It's sort of a tragic ending. He should obviously not be together with uh, his fiance because they are no good for each other, but they're probably going to be together. Yeah, exactly. I think in real life, that's what happens, right? Like the toxic relationships are always the ones that last the longest. I don't know why. Uh, I, I loved that last scene. It's another glimpse of Marcelo's life from a distance. You know, we see it from uh, this girl's perspective and it looks like he's just having a good time. Like maybe he's just a rock and roll party living lifestyle dude and it looks kind of cool and then he's taken away by a beautiful woman but we know you know having been through all of it that that's just not the case all right any final thoughts i think in the movie there's too many details to rewatch and to discuss about so it's definitely a movie that you should watch three times yeah there is a there's a lot going on and i'm sure there's all sorts of uh, layers to it watching for the first time i enjoyed it i it was a nice adventure to go on through this sad man's idea of it and I think to fully understand the movie would definitely be helpful if you have a, some sort of understanding of the director's philosophy, his style, and even his their religious or like political standing. Absolutely. And uh, Fellini is obviously known for putting a lot of himself into his work. I heard a lot of politicians were against the movie. It's a pretty loose movie, and I think it's critical of Roman culture at that time. I think it was Roger Ebert who was saying that it implies sort of a second downfall of Rome through partying. Before I let you go, how are you doing? I know you said that Japan is just about to go on lockdown. I'm just a little bit scared. I mean, if I were in my own country, I wouldn't feel, you know, too scared right now because I'm here alone. Of course, I have friends, but um, my family are in another country, right? Mm. So yeah, I just hope it can pass soon. And the yeah. Olympic got postponed, so it's pretty messed up. Are you prepared to be at home? Um, I have to. I have enough movies to watch. And uh, that's the philosophy of this whole podcast. And uh, Mengji, I look forward to watching another movie with you next week. Me too. Thank you. And there you have it. Mengji and all of Japan, please stay safe. And all of the world, please stay safe, stay inside, take care of each other. Thanks again for checking out the podcast. I hope I can hear from you tomorrow on our movie Manos. Email me at projectorfuel at gmail.com. Thanks again to at the work of Re on Instagram for the picture in our profile. Again, stay safe and I'll talk to you soon.